Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Silicon Dreams 1550 AM. I'm Charlene from Orbis 86, your host. And today we have with us an exciting guest, Matthew Liu, partner and CSO at Sin Futures, bringing extensive experience from Deutsche Bank and General Motors. He has also played a key role in establishing a major blockchain-based trade finance platform at Ant Financial. Welcome, uh, Matthew, to the show. I hope you're doing well. Thank you. Yes, I am. Awesome. Very nice day today. Hope you also have a good day today. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, it's even better now. So with that, I'm going to start and ask you about your journey. How did you get into what you're doing right now? And where did you start? And you know, how's it going for you at the moment? Absolutely. No problem. Yeah. So yeah, do, do tell us about your, your journey, um, you know, from, um, you know, with your background in trading and investments and how has your experience in traditional finance industry shaped your perspective on the potential of DeFi and blockchain technology, if you could tell us a bit about that. Of course, of course. Um, first, um, thanks a lot. Um, we, um, you know, we, we have been building Sim Futures for uh, three years and we, we always love to be on this prestige podcast, um, such as the Silicon dream. Um, and for my journey, um, I started more than 10 years ago as a trader in the wall street bank, and then moved around, uh, to help manage money for global, uh, global large corporates, as well as FinTech companies. Mm -hmm. Then I moved into, uh, the consortium blockchain or permissionless blockchain business, because I really liked the technology. Um, and later on, um, you know, three years ago, uh, I got back with, with my friends, Rachel, um, and we decided to start seeing futures because, you know, this is the true, um, blockchain application, uh, for, you know, for the finance industry. Um, so along the way, I would say, um, I have experienced the, you know, the, the franchise, franchise value based bank trading business. Mm -hmm. I have done like, how to manage money across the globe in terms of the uh, FX exposure, in terms of the interest risk, um, both uh, in uh, terms of spot risk as well as derivatives. And then I've also um, kind of tried different uh, POCs of using the blockchain technology to facilitate uh, global trades with not only large corporates, but also the SMEs. And all of this become very helpful when we started Sim Futures, because it offered me different perspectives of the problems that all the previous uh, institutions failed to resolve, which mm -hmm. is a transparent and easily accessible financial infrastructure. And awesome. so the first time I read about DeFi, and for example, there was like a Uniswap at the time, mm -hmm. I fell in love with this thing. I'm like, oh, this is the perfect model for building something that's transparent and accessible mm -hmm. and much more efficient. Yeah. Um, you know, the, 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 that, that actually made me um, to, to make the decision to quit my previous job and, uh, you know, um, start the, this uh, together with, with my other two co-founders. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's been a, you know, I would say a thrilling journey uh, mm -hmm. because, you know, everything in crypto moves four to five times faster. Absolutely. So if you think about three years time, mm -hmm. um, that's like more than 10 years already. 
Yes. Um, if you know, I were, I were still working in Trackfly. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah. Um. That that that's how my past experience would get related to uh, what I'm building now. That's awesome. It sounds really exciting. And yeah, I think with crypto, you always have to be on top of things like every minute there's something changes. Uh, you know, speaking about changes and challenges, um, how did your roles kind of prepare you for the challenges and opportunities in the decentralized finance space? Like, talk, talk, Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, the challenges that you faced, the obstacles that came along your way and how did you tackle them? Some of the most significant ones. Sure. Um, I would say in the last three years, um, we had many, many challenges. Like many of the, not, not, not just like a, like an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. um, but you know, entrepreneur in crypto yeah. uh, would face again, four to five times more challenges. Um, many um, like projects or other entrepreneurs mm -hmm. didn't survive these challenges. And we have always been, we see a little bit lucky, um, but also a little bit more skillful mm -hmm. and experienced in handling some of these situations. I'll give you a couple examples. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the first one, Terra. Yeah. When Terra was like um, kind of no brainer for many people to consider as safe deposit yielding 19.5% um, like rate, um, we didn't put a dime in it. Because, you know, in our eyes, um, where we see these stable coins are not, not just, you know, they're not dollars, but they're bonds, right? Mm -hmm. if, if, you know, with my, with my TradFi background, these are just bonds with credit risk. Yeah. And if some bond is yielding 19.5%, mm -hmm. um, those are like junk bonds in the TradFi world. And definitely should not trade at par mm -hmm. at $1 face value, right? And that's something... Um, that you, 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 you know, you, people didn't understand in the crypto world, um, before Terra collapse. Yeah. Um, and, and then we, we've seen very good projects didn't survive this, um, because they put most of the project money in Terra looking for that yield, but we have a very conservative, um, and well-managed, you know, treasury policy to make sure, um, you know, we, we preserve the capital for mm -hmm. the long-term development. Uh, for the dev team to be focused um, in developing um, our product R rather than, hey, you know, we speculate. Um, no. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other example I can give is FTX. Yeah. So I have to admit, we had money in FTX. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the day when there was some market rumor that they may suspend um, like a withdrawal. Yeah. Um, we, 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 you know, the, 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 the three co-founders, we, we, we came together and had a quick discussion. All three of us used to like um, the service of FTX and we trade a lot on it ourselves personally. But the decision is, hey, let's take the company money out. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. we're not going not to gamble on that. Mm -hmm. So uh, at the end of the day, we took all the money out. We didn't lose a dime again. And we, again, we have seen... Quite a couple of good projects didn't survive that. Um, and, you know, the, the, these two are some of the examples around how, um, how you know, we, we are a little bit luckier or more experienced in managing um, the treasury fund uh, to make sure, um, you know, we can steer this little boat through all these storms in the crypto world. Right. And of course, there, 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 are, even, there, there are many more, um, but yeah, you know, 
<laughs> Maybe that, that that's going to take another hour. I'll, I'll stop you. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I think what you spoke about is, you know, it's just, I love that you guys have a great team, the team of like the co-founders, especially um, to just come and to come together at this, you know, time of crisis where you're, you're already worried in general, you're worried about what's happening in crypto and then to, you know, kind of make a decision and all these things can help, uh, you know, just at that point in time, it's like crisis management at that point, right? So um I think that's very, very important. And yeah, as every challenge comes in, uh, you yourself find it new, but at the same time, when when you tackle it, you become more skillful. So I don't want to say it's absolute luck, but it's also skill-based because you, at the end of the day, it's you making the decision. And, you know, um, yeah, that being said, uh, I want, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, Thanks. so, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, moving on to um, uh, cross-border trade finance, right? So could you share insights into your role in establishing one of the world's largest consortium blockchain-based cross-border trade finance platforms? Sure. Um, in, in, my, in my previous role um, at uh, N Financial, that was um, my, you know, I would say my thing. Mm -hmm. um, to, we, we established um, like a consortium with almost 20 banks around the world. So these um, include, for example, HSBC, Standard Chartered, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, um, DBS, etc. Yeah. Um, to facilitate the, you know, some cross border SME trade finance. Um, the we, you know, we, we started with a very simple idea um, that the SMEs, especially doing cross border trades, needs better financing, because it's like, um, the, the, the B2B transactions mm -hmm. are mostly um, large volume um, and poorly financed because at least, you know, one side of the trade lies in a different country. So some of the documents, the verifications were unable to be verified or I would say accepted on both sides. And this is where we thought, you know, blockchain technology would come into play mm -hmm. and really build something to have a consensus across different parties to make sure that eventually the SMEs are better financed. So that um, took me two years okay. to build and run at scale. Um, and so at the end of the two years, um, that was a pretty stable business. So I, so when, when, when I left uh, to, you know, uh, to build Seen Futures, mm -hmm. I think that that was a, you know, stable business already um yeah and honestly personally i i, I learned a lot of technology stuff right. um for block uh, you know on, on blockchain in mm -hmm. in that business mm -hmm. um, that you know made me realize hey um i should do more i should do more um i would say genuine or purer blockchain applications um that you know of course um, you know, today you talk about DeFi, there, there, there's not much like real world application there, I would say, um, like not really making today like a real world impact, mm -hmm. but um, in a more idealistic format mm -hmm. um, that I believe has even more liveliness. Um, so, you know, the, 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 that I, I would say, um, had, you know, the, 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 that, that cross-chain um, uh, sorry, that, that cross-border blockchain trade finance business mm -hmm. um, made, you know, helped me make, make my way into DeFi later. 
that's that's awesome i mean kudos to that right i mean uh, and considering your you know unique vantage point having worked in both traditional finance and innovative blockchain platforms right how do you foresee blockchain technologies impacting uh, you know other than traditional industries beyond finance how do you see the the larger impact of just blockchain blockchain uh, technologies yeah i i i think every year um i saw very big changes mm-hmm. like back in 2018 when i talked like blockchain to yeah. like my business partners um you know other like at the time like large institutions financial institutions and the trading institutions um a lot of them were a little bit resistant mm-hmm. and i understand you know where they came from because for example if you're talking about financial institutions they're mostly franchise value right um they receive the franchise from the central banks to manage part of the central bank's balance sheet so that's why if you say if you tell them hey your record doesn't count it's a, like a record on the blockchain that counts and there's a discrepancy the blockchain data will prevail that touches their fundamental um franchise value right it's like mm, it is really hard for them to accept yeah. but later on i think um as the wealth effect on blockchain start to snowball um many people on individual levels start mm-hmm. to accept blockchain and the you know bitcoin and all the other like tokens yeah and that was the you know where where i saw it was the i was the the major factor to change these institutions opinions because you know these i was a decision makers or the people behind the institutions the people themselves accepted blockchain and bitcoin and the tokens they push these institutions to change true if you know without this bottom up grassroots um approach um then i think it would be very hard for the institutions to to adopt blockchain technology okay. even 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 today it's the same yeah like for example uh we had uh as we see approving bitcoin etf right mm-hmm. so why if you, you take a step back why the sec loves bitcoin etf mm, they probably don't right <laughs> if you look at the what, what gary gensler said that he doesn't at all yeah um and there are are these institutions like big fan of blockchain or or you know bitcoin no because years ago they they're like no we're not going to do anything with with bitcoin with blockchain but but only because again so many stakeholders in in these institutions start to yell for you know start to, to shout out for blockchain and and bitcoin and only because so many of their clients uh, they're like hey uh do you offer like investment in bitcoin if you don't then i'm going to buy bitcoin myself you're going to lose my business mm-hmm. and then it's all these individual level um push start to make change in the mindset of these institutions start to make change in the mindset of the regulators and that got us the approval of bitcoin etf right again i think that you know adoption across different industries would be driven by these individuals mm-hmm. um this again i think is a very democratic thing yeah um it's grassroots um and is what i like about blockchain absolutely yeah and i think um you know it's a slow adoption i mean now it's picking up for sure 
But I think even where I come from, uh, you know, in India, we have this negative connotation to what blockchain or what Web3 or what crypto really is. But I think the only way to bridge that gap is through, you know, education, blockchain education. And, um, you know, that being said, and that's that's how the companies also once an individual pushes, then the company will, you know, learn to kind of get that into uh, their business model as well. So that being said, in the context of, you know, your role in fostering decentralized finance, how do you believe we can enhance uh, educational efforts to bridge the knowledge gap and promote a wider understanding of blockchain and DeFi concepts? Sure. Um, my, my view might be a little bit of extreme. Um, I, I would say the best education mm -hmm. is to have a try. Yeah. Um, it's like um, in, in science, you need experiment, right? Yeah. Um, there, there are always these theories and articles you, you can read and, and, you know, try to formulate everything in your mind. Mm -hmm. But eventually, when you see the test, you'll be convinced. Now, that's exactly the same when we talk about blockchain technology, when we talk about DeFi. Mm -hmm. um, I think there are, there are a lot of good educational material already, you know, for the record, um, Sim Futures, we also run an academy okay. uh, with like all these 101 and baby steps, how you can come into DeFi. I think these are all very co high quality articles. Um, but eventually, um, it's, it's only that moment when a user start to try this and feel like, wow, this is different. And that, that, that's that you know, tipping point to change um, the user or the stakeholder's mind. That and true. that is why... Um, I think the best way to educate will be to, um, and that, well, there are two sides of that. Well, well, uh, two steps, right? So for one is lower the entry barrier of a normal user to come into a DeFi world you know, or, or to buy a Bitcoin. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you lower the entry barrier enough, then you get more people to try. Yeah. Some people like it. Some people doesn't like it. It's okay. You, you can't force everyone to like it. True. But it's it's like... It's like the first time we had telephones, first time we had a computer, you know, when people try it, then some people start to like it and, and then lead the new tr trend. Mm -hmm. um, and that, but, but of course, you know, blockchain and crypto, um, I would say, are born a little bit speculative mm -hmm. by nature, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something, you know, <laughs> I, I think for newcomers, um, they, they will also need to be a little aware of or a little bit better informed. Yeah. There's the speculative nature. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, eventually this is a good thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, even that speculation, I would say, has uh, both sides, right? I mean, usually people only see the side of the risk. But on the other side, this, um, you know, speculative nature and self-functional mm -hmm. capital markets per se facilitate a lot of innovations you know some it's, it's like some innovations are anyway um, like a you know fake or they didn't work out it's okay people be, didn't believe elon musk before yeah. but lucky he got he got people to sponsor him well he has money but he also got people to sponsor him yeah. and the same thing in blockchain right so some projects uh, some ideas mm -hmm. came into reality and really revolutionize the infrastructure of the financial services, while other like tests or other trials, other projects failed. Mm -hmm. That's okay, um, so long as there's continued speculation around. Hey, you know, is that would that be a successful 
venture? Would this be a like a very innovative way that we're gonna change the world? Um, yeah. So long as there there's uh, like money supporting this, yes. um, and um, you know the a way for you know the investor to monetize uh, through these you know you call it speculation or capital markets. I think that's a very healthy state um, yeah. that you know I I would personally think um, you know the, the new user should try and experience. That's true. I mean, for all our listeners, um, the best way to go about into Web3 in general is to try it yourself. And of course, D-Y-O-R, as we always say, uh, because of its speculative nature. And, you know, that being said, I think in general, I think in life, it's just better to try something and experience it before you kind of, you know, judge uh, something just based on what you read or what you see. Uh, I think that's very important because right now when you when you just open up, you, you usually, uh, you know, find all, like I said, there's always a negative connotation to what Web3 really is. But then we aren't really seeing the the better side of things, the advantages and, and what it's really doing. Uh, the same with, you know, when, when people say, oh, AI is going to take over the world, but it's really helping us, you know, so that that's a topic. <laughs> today. But yeah, in, in, in the same Good point. Way, yeah, <laughs> with with Web3 is is what we have to kind of, yeah, know about it, try it yourself, and then you would know. And with that, I'm going to, you know, ask you one last question for all our young aspiring minds who are going to be listening to this podcast. What advice would you give um, aspiring professionals or, you know, the, the younger crowd looking to enter the Web3 space, especially those with a background in finance and international business? And, you know, based off your journey from a trader to a partner at Sin Futures. Sure. Um, number one, um, I, I, I think this world, this Web3 world is full of young people. And that tells a good story itself about how much liveliness mm-hmm. and um, enthusiasm um, that are embedded in this industry. Yeah. And I would further encourage more young people to join. Um, it's, you know, if, if we think about... Um, you know the level of creativeness in a in a like a human like life. Yeah. Um. That usually they are at the maximum level in people's twenties, thirties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I'm in my thirties, unfortunately. <laughs> um, <laughs> um. But you know, for someone who who look to start in in this industry, I would give three recommendations. Yeah. A first one is um, if you come with a finance or like international trade background um this is very good background this is gonna um, be very helpful for you to have your view on what's happening every day in crypto because there are way many things uh, happening every day in crypto and many people don't have that framework for analysis but i i, I do believe for people in, with a finance or international trade background um it's easier for them to understand yeah so understand that is an advantage that's one uh, second uh, point is um, try to um, forget about your previous understanding and uh, make make you know make make a I would say courageous move. Uh, for example, you know when I started to build in DeFi, I was in actually just TradFi the consortium based you know like blockchain mm-hmm. business. Normally, people would say, oh, okay, maybe half a step further is like a blockchain payment that, you know, also with, on, on, you know, on and off ramp type of business, or, you know, I continue building a consortium based blockchain for like large corporations. 
But at the time, I was like, okay, maybe this is the new piece of uh, land that a human discovered after the 19, um, uh, sorry, after the 1500, um, you know, exploration by Columbus and, and, and the other you know, people. Finally, now there's a new continent on this planet. It's called the Web3 world. <laughs> it's a parallel universe mm -hmm. that's completely new. So the second advice is try something new in this parallel universe. Mm -hmm. um, forget about what you know, what you do today, what's in your bank account, um, and try something new. It's, it's, it's a new continent. I mean, we, we are living in this age where we found another new continent. Think about it. That hasn't happened in, in the last 500 years. Now, finally. Yeah. So try something new. Be brave. Um, take a big step. Yeah. Um, the third advice is, um, you know, look for good partners. Um, because eventually, to build something in Web3, it's not a one-man job. And you know, look around your friends, your colleagues, um, your, your classmates, um, and, and find good people to partner with. Uh, this would have a very big multiplayer effect uh, in your future success in Web3. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. Thank, thank you for that. I mean, yeah, you have to find, I mean, I love the third advice because and while you also find good partners, I think just building that community in Web3, which I actually love, what I love about Web3 is that we, it's, it's just the community is so, you know, inclusive and in the so much today and network and, you know, there's so much to build there. So, um, yeah, with that, I think we're going to end the interview. Thank you so much, Matthew, for sharing your, you know, valuable insights into the intersection of traditional finance and blockchain innovation. And as we wrap up this eye-opening journey with Matthew, remember the future is forged at the crossroads of tradition and innovation. So join us next time on the Silicon Dreams as we continue to explore the ever-evolving landscape of technology and its profound impact on our future. Thank you so much, Matthew.